subtitle where I talk about the same thing again. Uh, I'm going to do um, Mountains and Rivers. I think it's number four. Was that correct? That's what you told me. And I'm never wrong, so it's going to be right. So the idea with Mountains and Rivers is it's just a, a, a name that we give it to, to say, ask me questions. So the whole thing can be, and of course, I'm all ready to talk if you don't have questions. But it would be nice to have questions about meditation, about Buddhism, about awareness practice, meditation, post-meditation, anything but finance. Um. I think there was a post on the uh, chat window from last night's talk, or maybe the night before, something about uh, the dangers of discovering no self. Mm. What what danger is there in discovering no self? There's no danger in discovering no self to start with, but it could be extremely difficult if you run into that and you don't have a teacher, as witnessed by. Read Suzanne Segal's book, Collision with the Infinite. Um, uh, U.G. Krishnamurti also no, did not have a teacher and his uh, uh, fundamental uh, identity collapsed without any kind of practice situation or relationship to a teacher who could help him or help her. Uh, Byron Katie also went through the spontaneous realizer situation and took her 15 years to pull out of that mess. I'm not saying she was suffering. I don't think she was. Uh, Yuji uh, Krishnamurti, his word for awakening was a catastrophe. That's what he called it, because for ego, it is a catastrophe. There's no preparation for it. So, there, yes, there's a danger if you, if you just uh, go in that direction, or your life or your karma takes you, takes you in that direction. But if there's some kind of, a, of an understanding, which uh, in the case of Suzanne Segal, she actually did some Vipassana and some some meditation, at least that's what it says in her book, but she probably didn't do very much and she did not connect with a teacher. I'm not saying you have to have a, a guru and you have to walk, you know, lick their boots or something like that. I'm not talking about that. Just have a mentor. Have someone that you can, things, when you're working on it, if things go awry, you could say, this is happening, that's happening. Uh, some of you have talked to me about things that get difficult and and we discuss that so we can see how that's going to work. So you can include that rather than try to get rid of it. Big mistake trying to get rid of anything, including the ego. Don't try to get rid of anything. Ego is unreal. You don't have to get rid of it. You just have to see through it. And even that, you don't have to do that either. Go on living. Start a uh, turkey ranch. Move to Belvedere. Get a job washing turtles. What? If, if somebody spontaneously realizes, might they need to seek out a teacher? Well, if they, if they have any idea that that's what Suzanne Segal did, she went to psychologists and therapists, which would be okay. It's just that chances are they, they, they have their own way of training or medicating and doing something with the person. Which may be workable, it could be, but if there's a there's been a, a blowout there, then um, the people in that area, and I'm not saying all of them, but people who are working with medication, there's some some people that, that just want to save your life. They don't care what your quality of life is like; they just want to save your life. So they medicate you so you won't you know, 
people off the deep end somewhere instead of going down into the material. Let's, let's find out what the cause of this depression is and medicate the depression. Not wrong. It's just a way of working with it. You know, it's like, a, um, what's that drug, that antacid pill? Omeprazole. Omeprazole. I've taken that for years, and every time I would try to stop taking it, the symptoms would come up because it was a symptom cover-up medication. So I haven't taken it in a month or so, and I don't intend to. If there can be such turmoil around seeing no self, is there a further realization? But what it is, is a misunderstanding of what the realization is. You think seeing no self would be, would be, not so. No, because what you see is what the Buddha saw. Life is suffering. And, and you see that deeply everywhere in everybody's face. And how you work with that is, might need some help. Yeah. So if there's still work to be done, when is it that there is no work to be done? when there's no work to be done. So is that realization still talking about the path? Yes. Uh, the, the, the completion of the realization isn't particularly on a, on a, on a, a, a conclusion or a, or a goal or something that is, oh, now that's happening. It's, it's the way that whole situation is worked with. More. Help me. Um, I guess just if you if someone has that spontaneous realization and they're looking for help, what is the misunderstanding that's still happening? So there's not a real well. Some traditions will break it down into parts, but I don't think there's a real clear comprehension of the way the self-centeredness uh, comes apart or lets loose, or starts to dissolve, or come, become transparent. But but it doesn't mean, just because that happens, it doesn't mean there's, an, there's a powerful consciousness there that is witnessing that. So um, if that kind of thing happens without any, any strong basis, an awareness practice, a strong awareness practice, where you've been looking and looking and looking and looking, then when if that comes uh, comes uh, about spontaneously like that, then uh, it's kind of a shock. It could be a shock. What is being shocked? The, the, the assumption that there's somebody there that can be hurt. I guess I'm wondering what is the contrast of what has fallen apart and what is still feeling frightened. Let me think about that. <laughs> So it's difficult, just like if I say, uh, what's the difference between dreaming and, uh, and the, what's the difference between being in a dream is believing that situation and being here and believing in this situation. If I said, there's no difference, or I could say there are differences, but they aren't the kind of differences you necessarily think they are. Keep coming. I want more questions like that. Make them harder if you need to. And the answers will be probably become more vague. I ask the same question again. Certainly. What is the contrast between that 
which has fallen apart and that which is still searching for stability. Okay. So there, the, the, the catastrophe part that it's falling apart, falling apart is such a contrast to the, to the, the, the security that you once had as ego, where you actually thought there were times when you felt good and times when you didn't feel so good. You thought that life went back and forth like that. And then you see it's just a catastrophe. It's just a catastrophe. This is what most people are trying to avoid. But the spiritual path is not about avoiding that. It's about seeing what is true. And your particular karma, your karma, your karma, anyone's karma, my karma, the causes and conditions that arise as this apparent individual, multiple and varied, they can have all kinds of uh, things in the dark corners that, that cause difficulty or strain or stress. So all of that starts to come to the fore and starts to show up. Another way that I say it is the suffering could get worse, but there's no person there that is actually having no identity that is having the suffering, no ownership. It's just suffering. How does the gradual path um, contrast to the spontaneous path? One slow, <laughs> the other is quick. Um, I had no spontaneous, I haven't had that, so you could say I'm not awake. Or you could say I'm awake, you could do whatever you want. Uh, what's the individual still holding on to that makes uh, the loss of ego a catastrophe? Uh, I wish Yuji was here, sorry to ask what the big problem was. Um, there could be, uh, if, if I were you to use an image or a metaphor, there could be there possibly. Um, it's, I've heard it talked about before when everything blows apart, there's still shrapnel. Uh, so I don't, just, uh, just an image to help take care of, have to deal with it somehow. So. Is part of the problem, is there a point at which something takes its place that, you know, um, alleviates the catastrophe part of it? And that's a good one. So um, nothing takes its place, but the self that you saw was there. You see that actually that self is not separate from the Buddha. So it's unreal as the Buddha uh, awakening or Buddha nature is also unreal from the point of view of relative truth. The relative truth is, is the actual lie. And the actual truth or the absolute truth is uh, Buddha nature wisdom. And it's not an experience. It's not a position. It's not a, an existence. This is why if we're talking about the mundane path, this is why we can we can go on and we can, we can explain the whole thing and show how it works and why it looks this way, it looks that way. We can have discussions and disagreements about it, but when you get to the point where there's actual transcendence, everything just becomes totally ordinary. At the same time, it's completely uh, outrageous. Again, any any two-ness, any up and down, back and forth, life and death, Buddhas and sentient beings, wisdom and not wisdom, awakening and not, those those situations just collapse. There's no, there isn't any separation. The nerve endings are 
receive pain, the same nerve endings receive pleasure. Jun Chu. What about it is ordinary and what about it is outrageous? <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's ordinary because uh, nothing surprises you. And it's outrageous because it's so damned ordinary. That's what it's outrageous because you thought you thought it was going to be some big um, fireworks. Thing. And there are people who have fireworks, and what happens to the fireworks? They burn out. They go away. And the person wonders, "How can I get that back?" I quite often, have people come to me. I was meditating. Everything's going good. I was in retreat. Things were going great, and then. And I, I just understood something very deeply. Quite often, have people come and tell me about their wonderful samadhi experiences. And it won't last because it's an experience. If it's an experience, it's going down. Maybe not right away. Maybe it might be weeks, months. It can't last as a, a situation like that. A couple of questions have come in online. Good. Jessica from Whitmore Lake asks, is realization dependently arisen? No. The confusion is realization isn't. That's why you can't do it. That's why you can't put this there and that there. So there's, there's a waiting period there. This is called the waiting room. But that's where you actually find out more about how the mind works. You actually watch the mind continually to make stuff up and invent things and make believe this, don't believe this, like this, I don't like that. We just constantly fuss around with our mental apparatus. I like it, I don't like it, it's good. We try to be good, we try to be better, try to improve. I almost gave the title to the talk uh, tonight, Don't Improve, but that all starts fights. I can't improve. I didn't say that. I said, don't. If I say don't improve, um, that just saying that, if you're, you're lend me your ear, you listen to me, then what I'm actually saying is look at the way you keep trying to be somebody else or something else or something better. And I'm not saying going the other way and just be satisfied with who you are. That's, that's just a, the other side of the same duality. More? More from you and more from the, from, uh, just, uh, More from other people online. Okay. Um, Linda from Australia. Is she in New York? Oh. I should have asked her. Are you in New York? When okay. staying on a medication to maintain stability, how can you deal with the fear of going off and falling apart? Uh, you know, that's. Well, there's so many things. It depends on the medication. Depends on the relationship you have to your your therapist. Uh, depends on the, how you you're working with your meditation. It depends on on uh, having a meditation teacher, instructor, someone that you can talk to about it. And I would say don't change anything. And for one thing, uh, don't give medications or take them away. But I say uh, if you can. Uh, not just me, job, but anyone, if you can move away from the medication, do, do it with the help of your psychiatrist or therapist, rather than just do it. Uh, if they say no, then I wouldn't do it, as long as they're your, your psychiatrist. Um, 
I, I think there's just so many ways that, that that shows up. There's so many things going on there that if you do decide to do that, then do it very slowly and watch what moves and don't jump to conclusions about what occurs. Because um, I've been, not recently, but in the past 20 years ago, people taking Prozac were still meditating. But and the person I'm thinking of wasn't a student of mine. I mean, I gave him meditation instruction, but he was not my student. I was not a teacher then. So um, he was so in love with Prozac. And so just it was such a lifesaver, lifesaver for him. He, so, he had so much depression. He wanted to end his life. And Prozac, he would say, oh, thank God for Prozac. He was so miserable. So, excuse me. So I never mentioned that to him about try to back off and see if uh, maybe the healing, if you want to use that medical term that used to happen, maybe the cover-up uh, is getting in the way of the healing because it, it covers up the very thing that you need to see so you can heal. That's why if you're sitting down and you're experiencing suffering, I say, just receive it. Don't add to it. It shouldn't be there. Don't add to it. Why is this happening to me? Don't add. Don't add. Don't add. Don't do any math at all. So in the case of uh, in the case of your situation, I, I wouldn't do much at all with it. I mean, from this, from where I'm at here, listening to the question, I wouldn't do much. If you did want to back out of it, make sure you work with your with the person who prescribed it. See if uh, if they're up for tracking you as you do that, backing off a little at a time, maybe off the amount of the prescription. Or something. Would you, uh, would you make a distinction between uh, mental health issues that are cover-ups and mental health issues that are actually uh, physically based? Well, yeah, there's, that's why that's why I'm saying there's just so many things. People have chemical imbalances, but I, I would say don't. I'll say this. You heard me say this over and over again in regards to this person. But I'd say in terms of anybody, a doctor, don't believe anybody. Don't disbelieve anybody, and for heaven's sake, don't disregard them or look away. Receive any information that's coming. Just don't add on it to it, your disbelief. I don't like that. Or add on to it your belief. This is wonderful. I need to do this. And don't add on to it um, your distraction or moving away. or Well, that's not important. I'm not going to think about it. Do nothing with it. Just receive everything that's coming. And, and then if, as you look at it without, if you're doing anything and something out, if you're accepting it, you're blocking something. If you're rejecting it, you're blocking something. And obviously, if you're looking the other way, you're not even seeing it anyway. You're not watching what it was appearing as. Because quite often, what is a, what it is appearing as is your projection of that rather than what is actually there. So it gets very involved. Train your mind. Hold still. Sit down. Hold still as much as you can. Schedule yourself to do as much sitting meditation as you can. So if someone had chemical imbalances, or I don't, I'm not, obviously not a person that knows about all that. There's a lot to know there. But even even people who are wrapped up in that, are, they don't like to not know. So they'll speculate. Well, there's probably this you have. There's probably that. Not particularly good. Do that. Not evil. Just really horrible. Couldn't wait to say that. What else do we have? 
a question from Patrick in Seattle. When you've said, sit down and find out who you are, what does that look like if there is no real self? You can't find anybody. But you have to say that ego doesn't exist, there's no separate self, or it's just intellect. You have to actually look and look and look and see that there's, you can't find a solid, you can find a discontinuous identity or one that shows up when it's time to play tennis or one, one that shows up when it's time to be upset with your mate. You can see discontinuity, oh, it's all over the place. But we don't really see that as it is. We keep bringing it together and say there's someone who's feeling that way. Instead of saying, oh, they're various identity, they're, they're um, uh, situational identities. The, the fundamental nature, if you see it, is, uh, is not concerned about anything, has no problems. That doesn't mean it will blow a stack and knock your head off. Not you, but you got behind you, maybe. What am I saying by that? I'm saying, don't judge anybody. Uh, don't, don't. Don't take anybody to law or judge anybody's. You don't know what kind of karma each person is dealing with, including the teacher. Give the teacher the benefit of the doubt, but don't trust, don't trust anybody. Don't trust the teacher. Don't trust anybody. Unless you have to. But that would be up to you. Nothing being sold here. Who ironed that so nicely? That's why I mess it up. If realization isn't dependently arisen, then why? Or what's the gradual path? The gradual path is you sit down and you, you watch what's happening and you start to come to some conclusions about it. And then you spend some more time and then you... Uh, work with the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the, the, someone who is uh, basically sane or not not uh, jumped in, jumping to conclusions about everything or going to war with anything, including themselves. And then the truth that uh, he taught, the truth that the Buddha taught, everything is dependently arisen. There's not a single solitary thing anywhere. There's no, there's no singularity anywhere. Even, even, even saying we're all one is a misunderstanding. That actually creates more duality so fancy so you see and you look at that and you look at this, the so-called self you look at the emotions that arise and you keep returning to that uh, what I've been calling recently uh, is uh, the ego's uh, elimination diet for ego just you just come back you just eliminate everything else you sit down you hold still and you just watch what's left you stop everything you can no vegetables no me, no nothing. Sit down, hold still. Watch what is left. And in that way, if there's a possibility that your wisdom mind isn't completely clogged with your, your uh, crazy self-centeredness, your ego, your assumptions, your, your pride, which is one of the most difficult ones to see. It's extremely hard to see that. Because if you start, if it starts to break through, it's embarrassing. So we want to cover it back up and we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be exposed for being uh, a hopeless uh, a fool. Run a bell somewhere. But if you see what this is, then you're always a fool. This is totally foolish. There's no, there's no, and to, to, 
have that kind of a breakthrough. It doesn't happen up here. Or you start thinking, or it doesn't. It's not fear, and it's not uh, hope. Uh, it's reality. It's the, this is the area, not your, not your, not the blood pumping device there, but this this area somewhere in here is where this comes from. Consciousness. More question. Shoka, you don't know what you're going to ask me. Is the the foolishness that um, that you're experiencing? Yeah. <laughs> when you say you're always a fool, is that something that's dependently arisen? Yeah. It's something you you see, and then it's just a word that that might have some import or some gravitas for a little while, but eventually uh, it really isn't anyone there. It's the, the foolishness comes from thinking that you were somebody that could succeed or you were somebody that can fail. Just a way of talking. It's a way of supporting someone as they go into the fundamental reality of uh, wisdom, no self, no other, no, no separation. If there's anything that doesn't belong to you, so you can't really steal anything. Very blonde to you. The boundaries become completely clear. Not the boundaries that the world puts on you, but the boundaries that you see. I think you said that when we look at the teacher, we see our own wisdom mind. Why don't we see that wisdom mind when we look elsewhere? You do. You see it everywhere, all the time. But you're more likely to, it's more likely to begin with the teaching person because you give that person the benefit of the doubt. Actually listen and see this is happening, that's happening. The teacher says, stop doing that, do this. Or they might not say anything. They might just say, keep going. But sometimes just keep going means an awful lot if you're going through a lot of, uh, going through a very difficult passage to have someone just say, as my teacher said to me, you can do it, just keep going. That meant a lot to me because I knew what I said to him. I'm not going to repeat it here. I knew what I said to him. And for him to just say that, um, just keep going. It didn't mean that he didn't know what to, how to help me or what to say, but knew, he knew what to say. That's the best thing he could have said to me. Any other, anything else, he couldn't have said anything any better. Never had anyone, never told anybody what was happening with me. I, I didn't dare to trust anybody. Nobody. Once went, once went to a psychiatrist back in the late 60s and um, talked to her for a few minutes and, and realized that she was batshit crazy. I wasn't about to tell her anything. She had a degree and was very like, well-spoken and intelligent and so on. See that she was not hearing what I was saying. I didn't say very much, but I could see I would talk to her that she was immediately jumping to conclusions about me, what I needed. And she immediately started stroking me to make me feel better. That doesn't that didn't feel pretty good. She says, You're very intelligent. And I want to you can imagine what I want to say to her. I'm not gonna say it. Don't worry. I don't speak, try not to speak to her essentially. Yes. 
think this is a question from Jeremy in Rapids. I'm interested in your assessment of Shikantaza or assuming proper form in Zazen. My assessment? I think it's a good idea. Do a lot of it. Sit down, hold still, keep all the senses open, watch what moves. This is Shikantaza. And a peanut chip. Jessica from Whitmore Lake has another question. If confusion is dependently arisen, does practice erode the causes and conditions of the movement? You could say that there's something going on there. What you're doing is you're participating in the way causes and conditions and the way uh, cause and effect work in such a way that you're, you're doing something that is somewhat going the other way than the constant creation, creation, creation. You're sitting down in a situation, uh, Jessica, where you're, where you're able to see what this is. It takes a while to, for the production of the thoughts and everything to slow down and settle down. And eventually that, that whole consciousness, instead of being uh, behind and pushing all the production, oh, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening, I shouldn't be doing this, I've got to get better, I can't stand this anymore, I hate to meditate, not that you didn't say that. But to eventually then something uh, slowly through causes and conditions, through relating directly to causes and conditions, which means to see whatever's arising, that has come from somewhere and it's caused by something. Don't push on it. All you're doing is buying into the circularity. Don't accept it. You're buying into the circularity of samsara. And don't shut it away because you're that, that way you're just allowing the circularity to continue. But if you just receive it, simply put, then the, all the energy of, of uh, differentiation and desire just starts to slow down and you begin to see the incredible space in which things occur. And you are not separate. It starts being separate, but eventually you see you're not separate from that space. There isn't any, anything but you. There isn't anyone else. It's empty of others. There is no other. It's an illusion. And this doesn't go so far to take you into something where you can start to be a pickpocket because I'm always picking my own pocket. Kind of thing. That's uh, nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's not crazy wisdom. It's crazy crazy. <laughs> you actually start to have a, a relationship with everything. This is It's like no relationship because you're... You don't see anything. You don't see anything but the Buddha, and it's not a fancy feeling. It's like I think I see the Buddha everywhere. Not like that. It's just uh, it's a statement that is made to help people go more deeply into their consciousness and see more clearly uh, who they are and what's going on. But the, the, you could say if there is a final thing, but the, the total understanding is even isn't even that. It's not. It's not Buddha. It's not not Buddha. Have several minutes left. Anyone has a question? I think it feels like we, uh, like there's a wall between us and whatever it is that we're interacting with. How does just looking at that wall affect the wall? So nothing lasts. The, the, the three marks of existence are uh, impermanence. Um, so, uh, suffering or dissatisfaction and no self, those three. And the one, impermanence, is a really powerful one. Just seeing that completely is to see dependent origination. So the, the, the idea there, though, this is what I say, don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. 
Don't add to it, don't subtract from it, and don't divide yourself from it. And that way, what is there that looked fairly stationary, like a wall, starts to come apart because nothing lasts. Then you get to see the very fixation that you thought was a wall starts to come apart. It takes a while. It takes looking at it and looking at it. If you have any expectation, you might as well be putting more cement on it. You might as well be putting more blocks up. Do nothing with it. And it's difficult because facing that is suffering. It's difficult. And it can be, depending on what, how, what that wall represent or re represents or what it's covering up, could be anything from a relationship coming apart to someone dying in your family to uh, an actual illness that you're having, uh, some, something that you want to stay away from. Could be so many other things to also. When it feels that way when talking to you, like I can hear you, I can hear what you're saying, but it feels like I'm there's a wall and nothing's getting through. Yeah. Is there anything different to do with that? No, just if you see the wall, that's awareness. So all you have to do is see the wall. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to get rid of it. That's uh, aggression. You don't have to make excuses for it or explain it or justify it or say it must be happening because of this, including it must be happening because I can't see very clearly. I'm not meditating enough. I'm med meditating too much. But I need to do more closed eye meditation. I need to do more walking meditation. I need to do more wall gazing. Or, or coming up with something, though. That, that is slow. The self-centered mind, the ego mind, want, does not want things the way they are. This is why the second noble truth is, the way I express this, is wanting something else. Wanting things to be different than you. However they are, you don't have to accept it. That's a misunderstanding. You don't have to reject it. You don't have to shut it out. You can, if you see what it is, you begin to see your original face, that is said in the Zen tradition. But, but it takes work. It takes persistence. It takes returning, returning, returning to that over and over again. So I, I see, I think it sounds good. That's awareness practice. Do more. Keep going. Further question? William. Sometimes while I'm meditating, um, I'll have extreme fear and panic that I don't typically have. Otherwise, it seems like there's a flash and then a fear and panic happen. And I, I just don't want to sit anymore. How do I work with that? Get up and run away. You have a sandwich. Do you eat sandwiches? Sometimes. No. Well, that could be the time. I'm not being just particularly being Silly, I'm saying, don't torture yourself. It's not about forcing some kind of macho, uh, like you sometimes see in the movies, a Zen tradition where everybody sits and they get hit by a stick or something. Or even in the Tibetan tradition, there's instances where, uh, what was it, Tulopa hits Naropa with a sandal or something like that. It's kind of a teaching image or something, which means that, you know, you teach my kick your butt. But in the situation you're talking about, I would say be respectful for that. If it does feel scary, you can get up. You don't have to stay there through it, but you could come right back. You could go look out the window for a while, watch. It's an awareness practice, not an accomplishment practice. You don't ever have to get rid of anything. You don't ever have to get anywhere. You don't have to even meditate if you don't want to. 
But if you're here listening to me, then I, my recommendation is sit down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind that tends to grasp at some, some things and reject other things and shut down and passion direction. And do a lot of it. Just about that's why we have a monastery in order to do enough of it. We have strong forms here where if you come here, looking at your watch, trying to see when you get to leave. <laughs> Unless you're addicted to meditation, the monks are. So it seems to be a matter of watching that that fear, that fear, the downside of it's fear, you're afraid or something, but the upside is you're actually looking at the leading edge of that actual mask or cover-up that is covering up your Buddha nature. Doesn't mean you're gonna see it next week. It means that that's, uh, it, insofar as you can go in and uh, as is sometimes said, uh, meditation is voluntary suffering, voluntary dissatisfaction or voluntary uh, fear. You're going to go in and you're going to sit down and hold still and receive whatever's coming. And so receive. If it gets overwhelming, then go do something else. You're not, you're just being reasonable about it rather than trying to force the issue. Further questions, Wayne? Peace, you got. In his example, if there's fear that's covering something up, is it necessary to eventually see what that's covering up? Probably not. The awareness part comes in on, on knowing you're covering it, aware that you're covering up. The item there or the, the phenomena, the thing is not important. What is important is the awareness is important. The space in which things occur, even though there's a lot of difference between having a birthday party and, and singing songs and going somewhere and watching a murder, and two different actions. So obviously there's differences, but there's a similarity and there's just something happening in space. So that's one of the reasons it's so difficult to understand this because it looks like some of that stuff that arises needs to be shoved down, put away, and others you need, you need to rise up. And it's not that we shouldn't, but there needs to be a lot of awareness around that so we don't come to a conclusion that somebody's to blame for something. Because all dharmas, as it says, long before I showed up, all dharmas are without blame. You can't find original cause for anything. You can find she did this or he did that or they did this or if this happened and this happened. And you can, it's easy to just go to blame. But as soon as you go to blame, this is what happens to the awareness. Got them. Now I know who to blame or who's at fault. Yeah. I guess I'm wondering in terms of the gradual path, if there's some things that we personally have to see before we're going to awaken. There probably are. But that's not, that would be something to be personal to you. That's something I'm going to point out. If I see you, um, consistently covering up the same thing over and over again, then I might point it out to you. In a really crude, uh, disrespectful way, of course. As it says in, cutting, uh, in the myth of freedom, the function of the teacher is to insult you. So, do the best I can.
question from Laura from Traverse City. Yes, Laura. Are there various levels of enlightenment, or is it just awake or asleep? So I, I think there are levels, and I think that uh, the way it looks, from uh, what I've looked at, it looks like different lineages and teachers and so on bring this into different ways and have different ways of talking about it. I don't. I don't think it actually is levels. Because it, if it were, then maybe we could agree on something. Uh, so I don't think it's actual levels. Like whew, man, went from the seventh floor to eighth floor, something like that. Even the Bodhisattva boomies, uh, even they can't even agree on that. They got ten boomies, and then another school comes on and says, "No, there's actually eleven. And somebody else comes on, "No, there's actually one more." In our tradition, the Soto Zen lineage, as far as I know, and somebody changed it recently. The, the ninth and tenth boomi are Buddhahood. Uh, the, the, those those are the entry out of the Bodhisattva path, which I don't know if it's possible to leave that into just fundamental reality without any self or any other. Whereas the Bodhisattva boomis, like the first boomi is joy, or mudita, pramudita. So and that's because you just saw that there's no solid being here. But there's a whole lot of solid beings out there that need saving. So you're motivated to do that. It's just a way of talking about it. It could happen some other way altogether that doesn't even fit with. Somebody came and said, "There's only eight, only eight boomies." I wouldn't argue. If they said, "No, I was wrong," and they come back the next week and said, hey, "I was wrong about that. There's really only seven. I probably would say, "Okay, stop." <laughs> so I'm not. I don't have any. I don't know about levels. I've never had any level. I, I, I'm not left. I've never. I'm not left. I have not left my childhood. I've never gotten anywhere. So I'm. You could say in a relative situation, I'm not awake. So what am I doing up here? I have students. So as long as I have students, I'm a teacher. You guys all pack up and are gone. It may sound silly, but there's there's really something to that. It's a very mutual thing. Very mutual thing. I, I I don't know who or what this is or what it's even for unless somebody needs my help. And then I manifest in that way. And the way I manifest can be pretty different for everybody. I'm sure you've seen that. Except for Shoka, I'm the same with him as I am with everybody else. So sometimes uh, you could, uh, something I would say a little bit more about that. I think some of the levels I, idea is part of a way of helping people when they're on the path uh, to, to understand it in a way of, of some kind of graduated more and more, less and less fighting with other people, if not altogether not fighting at all, more and more about really hearing what other people are saying. And when I often mention, I don't call it a level, I just say you may find that you because of your own working with your own mind, looking at your own situation, you don't, maybe you still feel like crap yourself, but you notice when you talk to somebody that you used to really get upset with, maybe it's a family member, quite often it is. Instead of, you still you still get upset, but you notice about a few, uh, a few inches behind that anger, that whatever it is they're doing, it's aggravating, they're suffering. People don't go to war with anybody unless they're trying to get the suffering and dump it on you. They want you to have the suffering. This is why people kill. They're, they, they're terrified. They're upset. They want to murder. And they, they can't. And they, they, 
they either murder their son self or, or then they or they go to murder like the people uh, lately they've been murdering people it's like just intense rage about it and it's painful and they're whatever their medications or maybe they don't even take medications it's so it's so completely different and so you could say that's some kind of a stage too uh, a, a stage also i should say we don't really know what that is psychologists are always wanting to explain freud Jung, adler uh, and all the other 350 psychologists that have come along with ideas since those people about what's this way this do this and do that don't do this do this including meditators it's amazing that the buddha dharma is still showing up as everything is dependently visited William, are you always unreceived even when you're giving a talk? No, I'm producing all the time. Can you hear? So those are seen as differentiated until they don't. They just collapse and there's no separation anymore. So you really don't know whether you're, you just function. But there's no credential comes with it. There's no. If you want to know where uh, about your ego, I can show you. Come in the hojo and I'll insult you. And you'll immediately feel insulted. That's your ego. Or uh, you come in the hojo and I'll compliment you. Then you'll. Not necessarily. You may not. And I'm just saying it's not that this is going to happen or I would even do that. But it's, it's like we're, we're so sensitive to the otherness of what people think. Either either, either in the form of I don't really care what people think and I wish I didn't, but I did. Or the other kind where it's I don't care what anybody thinks. I do whatever I want. Not concerned with anybody. That's the person who's really concerned. It's uh, so I teach, just receive as much as you can because there's so much production going on. It's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to do that. And one of the ways you see is how hard it is to do that is if you try to do that, then you find out you're just constantly adding on to everything. But again. It's about the awareness of that. It's not about stopping it or changing it or being a person who doesn't produce. So I say, don't do that, whatever it may be. And I can't stop doing it. I don't know why you'd be able to stop. But maybe you can. If you can, then maybe you should set up. Sir. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is don't consciously do it. It happens, then it happens. Unconsciously do what? Um, can't put words to it. <laughs> That's the easiest kind of answer. Well, then I can't answer that. <laughs> I follow you a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of where you're at. I just wanted you to make that a little bit more crisp. I can't give you, I can't really. And I could, but I, but the only thing I could say is no, that's not it. But if you were to take what it sounds like you're where you're going, 
and bring that into a sharper focus, then I could respond to, to that. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our champ books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are still in the hallway. Always happy financial support. We also accept payments through the mail by check, debit, credit card, and certainly through PayPal. Thank you. May the mayor of this penetrate into all places so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. and bodhisattvas of the ten directions of the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light, protect Soku Koji, Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs> 